once again to another episode of Lease and Learned. Thank you guys so much for being here. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it, don't we, Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, can't tell how fired up he is. Ooh. He had to wake up just to say, oh, yeah. What a show we've got this week. I am very excited about it. Uh, I've been, uh, I've, I've been, I've known this guy for quite a while. I'm a, I'm very fascinated with sales and marketing. I've done a lot of sales jobs. I've done a little bit of marketing here and there, but I'm very fascinated with like what makes a great salesperson? How do you market? How important is a logo? All that kind of stuff. So who better to have on to ask those questions than a sales and marketing expert? And that is who we have on the program this week. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Ryan Bellevaux. Ryan Bellevaux. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just realizing that uh, you and I kind of look like a before and after shot here of someone who's on a, a weight loss program and decided to care about what they look like. That would be on your side. No, you look great, buddy. Thank you. You look, look good awesome. too, man. I like the uh, yeah. I like the clock and the Rubik's cube in the background. This is uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Rubik's cube. Like I have no business. I have no idea how to do this. Just the decoration? Yeah, it just looks cool. And then I got some books that I haven't read and a clock that probably doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It looks a, good the way. It looks great, man. And and a little uh yeah. uh cactus or something on the on the top as well. Yeah, yeah, it's a fake plant. Fake plant, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. everyone needs a fake plant and a clock that doesn't work in their office. You know what I mean? <laughs> These are unprecedented, unprecedented times. If, 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 uh, I mean, if you saw me about 10 minutes before this, I was rushing around. That stuff didn't exist before. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Well, it would have looked weird if it was just an empty bookshelf behind you. You know, <laughs> what, what can we find? Go down to the storage unit or the attic and find the clock from <laughs> 74, the plant we don't need to water. A couple books and yeah. a Rubik's Cube nobody's touched. <laughs> Why not? Looks know, good, buddy. Eh? Well, yeah. uh, thank you very much for being here, man. Um, I, yeah. I appreciate this and uh, you're, I appreciate your time. And I also appreciate you because you're kind of one of, a uh, few people that I had discussions with before starting this that yeah. kind of gave me uh, the the confidence to to get it going in, in a way. So I appreciate that. Yeah, dude, you're killing it. Like I've been listening and watching, I guess. And yeah, this is this is turning into be a really awesome podcast you're doing. Like, like I, to be honest, I'm, I'm like I'm kind of nervous because you know you had. Lars, who I know really well, like I've been listening to every show and, nice, you know, I, like I wasn't expecting with you and Lars to, to hear that. I thought it would just be like comedy, like slapstick stuff. And like, that was deep, man. Like, you know, listening to everything he's been through. And, and then I think another guest here is Al Val, another yeah. comedian. And then your recent guest, Derek or something like these, like that guy was like heisting, uh, you know, bank uh, fucking like cars and shit. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, these guys are, that's like Netflix material. So I don't know what the fuck you want to talk to me about, but I mean, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Well, you are, <laughs> of course, a, uh, a marketing uh, expert. 
a sales and marketing expert is how I would describe you. I, I, I don't know if that's how you would yeah. describe yourself or not, but um, thanks. I appreciate for, that. For the purpose of this, yeah. that's how I would describe you. But prior to All that, right. where, we'll where that. are you from? Where did you grow up? So I grew up in London, Ontario, which is where I'm, where I am here. Um, and, um, I don't know, like pretty, pretty boring, you know, upbringing. Uh, my dad worked for the government. My mom was a school teacher. We got a younger sister who she lives across on the other side of the world in Dubai, oh, which wow. is actually pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And, um, um, yeah. And I just went, went to Oak Ridge high school. Didn't really cause too many problems. Played a lot of hockey. I was a hockey guy. Um, and I was good and I ended up getting a scholarship. So, um, I went over to, uh, to the States, to New York and did about six years of schooling over there. I got a couple degrees and played some hockey and, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was before digital marketing, really like I got a graphic design degree and, you know, I was able to really get a pretty cool experience and, um, and I played, um, ended up playing roller hockey when I was over there too. And then I got picked up by team Canada and then uh, I traveled the world a little bit playing with team Canada, roller hockey on wheels, hockey on wheels. Right. Right. I was, yeah. I was going to mention that because I remember seeing a picture of you from years ago in the, uh, in the Jersey that you guys had yeah. like sponsors and stuff on. So how do you get, that was roller hockey, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. So how yeah. do you, when you get the scholarship to go, um, to New York. Is that for roller hockey or is that for ice hockey? So that was for ice hockey. And like, I don't know, it's kind of weird because I wasn't, I was a good hockey player, but I wasn't, um, there were a lot of guys a lot better than me. I was actually really fortunate that my uncle had an audio video, um, company and he came out and he recorded a bunch of my games, put some VHS tapes together and we just fired them out to like, 200 schools in the States. And that, that's how you would, you would basically market yourself as a player, as an athlete back then. Yeah. And uh, so that really helped me. And then I, I ended up going to a two-year school in Utica, New York, um, which was an experience. I don't know if you've ever been in, to Utica, New York. It's, I have uh, not. Not yet. Yeah. Well, yeah, you probably don't. I mean, there's no reason really to go there, to be quite honest with you. But <laughs> it's <laughs> and then uh, it's upstate New York. And then I, I transferred to uh, to Rochester, a school, RIT, a private university and played, kept playing ice hockey there. And then they also had an inline this roller hockey, inline hockey team. So I played ice hockey and uh, and roller hockey. And then I excelled in roller hockey and then, you know, stopped playing ice hockey and just continued. But, but I did, you know, a lot of the guys that I went to school with, um, they were there for hockey. They weren't there for school. And, and I was able to really dig in. It was a weird experience though, because, you know, we were Canadians and I was a Canadian and a, at a U.S. school. And um, I just, people didn't really take us seriously when it came to school. So I was, I was in this really hard core, you know, design program at this like, high like you needed top grades to get into this this university man like if it wasn't for arcade there's no way i belong there so i'm i'm there with like these these top level students and um just kind of fighting my way through 
but I was always really creative and, and innovative and, and I did really well from the school point of view. So I was able to kind of get through, but it, it was always a struggle kind of, you know, people just thought, Oh, this guy's just a dumb Canadian here playing hockey. He doesn't care about school, but I really did want to get my degree. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you play hockey with anybody there uh, or against anyone there that went on to uh, play in the NHL? Um, n- like, no one really that um, in my time uh, there were some guys that went on to play semi-pro, but I mean, you know, the, the, the opportunities are so slim man. to, to go to the NHL. I mean, it's just like incredibly difficult. And, and um, there were some guys that, that had a chance, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, they, they, you end up in the minors and you're, you're making, you know, 300 bucks a week and that only lasts for so long. And then you grow up and you want to start a family and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Right. So hockey was my way into kind of marketing and, you know, understanding that whole, that whole world and getting a degree and, you know, bit some entrepreneurship i had some really great mentors uh in in some of my professors that i was there so i was was really lucky when you get the call uh for the team canada roller hockey like how does that do they come watch a game and and pick you do you get do you send them a tape like how, how did you get on that team yeah, so you send them a resume, and we had just won uh, the the college national championships in Los Angeles that year. So it was a really it was really cool. Like I was, I'm so fortunate to to have had that experience, and I think a lot of it was just timing and you know and that sort of thing. And and I was the captain my senior year, so I got noticed. You know, obviously at the high level, we were playing schools like you know Michigan State and and, and top level schools that also had these inline hockey, roller hockey teams. And, you know, it was, it was big over there. They had, you know, like every school had a roller hockey team. Like it was, it was crazy. And, uh, and then, yeah, we, and then I just, um, I sent them off a resume, uh, the team Canada coaches and, and the staff and, and, um, they, at that time they would just call around and follow up with me, with my coaches and that sort of thing. And then, uh, there was a try, a couple tryouts that we had to go to in Toronto, and um, I don't know, man. It just uh, it was it was it was the right time. It was good timing. What position so, were you? So I was a centerman, and my you like this. My first experience actually playing with Team Canada was in the in the Pan Am qualifier in Colombia, Cartagena, Colombia. So at that time, uh, Bogota was like there was like crazy civil war going on there and stuff. And, uh, and there's, there's a bunch of us flying into Cartagena, Colombia, and uh, they had set up a rink on the army base. So we played at a rink on, on the army base in Colombia and, and, and they had stands and they had like fans. I, I don't know where these fans came. Like I, there, there were tons of fans. I don't know where they came from. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was games, a cool experience. Are the games, um, uh, can, is there checking physical contact too, like, like in ice hockey or how does that work? No, so it's, it's four on four and there's no icing, no offside. So you play in the same, you, you play in a rink, a regular size rink. Uh, you just not, a, you plant sport court 
and and it's four and four, no icing, no offsides. There's a little bit of body contact, but it's more of like a more like a watching basketball, like a combination between basketball and hockey. Like you, you know, you go down to one end, you set up and take your shot, or your shots, or whatever, and you go right back on the on the defense. It's a really fun game and really exciting game to watch. You play we play with a puck, not a ball, like full equipment, all that sort of thing. The goalies are in full gear. Um, we had two guys pass out from heat exhaustion in Columbia because it's just so fucking hot. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, just cool experiences like that, you know, where, where you can go to these countries, uh, they love the game of hockey, but they don't have an ice rink around every, you know, in, in every neighborhood. So right. wheels takes, you know, it, instead of, uh, blades, I guess. And did you guys, uh, did you, did you guys end up winning, uh, championships for team Canada? Yeah, we, we would win, um, you know, here and there, but in that world, uh, countries like France, Czechoslovakia, um, Switzerland, like they're really strong in, in the game of roller hockey. So, you know, the North American, like us and Canada, we, you know, we, we got by on our hockey knowledge and our grit. Um, but man, these, you know, the French and the, the Swiss, like they're just, they're skilled. Like they just, they skate circles around us. So we would have to really just dig in and be smart and play zone and, and, and use, use our body. You know, you start, you start using your body a little bit with these guys and, and they don't, then they shy away and you can, you can start, you, you really set the, the tone by intimidating at the beginning. Right. So any yeah. crazy, uh, like after you've won a championship, any crazy party stories? Any, anything insane happen that stands out? Yeah. Like, I mean, um, there's, a, there's some I could talk about, some I can't, or I, I, you know, probably should it, <laughs> but, uh, we had, when we were in, when we were in Columbia, we had, uh, we had guys with, um, young, actually young kids, army, army guys with, with, um, with guns, uh, like following us around because they're worried that we get kidnapped and ransom and all that. I mean, man, I was 20, we were like 25. I didn't know what that, like we were grabbing these guns and holding them for pictures and, and all this. And, you know, like it was, it was crazy, man. And, and so we, uh, we got in a, a bit of a bit of an altercation with, with uh, the U S team at a bar. And then, you know, you look up and we had like, 20 army guys with guns pointing at us and we were like, Oh, wait a sec. We're not in, we're not in the States or Canada. We got to behave ourselves. Wow. So that was a pretty crazy story. So is that like yeah. a, like a bar fight breaks out and they, they break it up with guns or a little bit like a yeah. shouting match or. No, was, there, there was some, there were some right hooks and left hooks, you know, oh, flying wow. around. Was there yeah. fighting in the games too? Can you drop the gloves? Yeah, Once in a once in a while, once in a while there would be, but, um, I mean, it, it's a pretty, pretty calm sport when it comes to that. And that's why there's so much skill and, right. and so much speed involved because, you know, you don't have offsides, you don't have icing, you don't have you barely have any whistles. Right. And, um, and it just keeps the game flowing and it's just, it's an incredible game. I, I wish more people in Canada knew of, of the game. Um, and we do, but you know, ice hockey is just so prevalent here that, you know, everyone's gonna gravitate to that. What kind of player were you 
goal scorer, uh, more of a, an assist guy. I was, I was pretty gritty, man. Like, um, I, I did not really have the size. So, you know, I would, I would dig in, I would like fight hard in the corners and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think my, my whole hockey career, I kind of had to be like that, uh, you know, cause I didn't have the size and, and I was, I was a really good skater. So I could outskate people. Um, and I, I didn't have the hockey smarts. I mean, I just, the, you know, there's hot, there's a thing called hockey IQ and I just, I didn't have, I, I didn't have that. And that probably is what held me back, you know, I'm, I'm sure. And then my size and that sort of thing, but I would dig in, I would, I would be gritty and, and, um, it's just my style, just a, a quiet, you know, quiet confidence of, of, of working my ass off. And, um, you know, it, it that kind of transfers over into my, has transferred over into my, my career as well as, as in marketing and sales too, just, just quietly, you know, plugging away, uh, not talking about all the awards I win and that sort of thing before, you know what I'm like first in on the sales list, you know, of, of guys that sold across Canada that sold the most newspaper ads or, or whatever. And people are like, what, like, how did that happen? Right. So I just, just always kind of quietly gone about my business and, and kept my head down and just, you know, really dug, dug in. You mentioned, yeah. uh, the, the new selling newspaper ads, which is, I think how I met you. I think, I think you, so. You came into like a, a comedy club that used to be in London, which is renowned as the worst run business in the history of uh, businesses of oh, any type of business, shit. not just the comedy club. And there's been horrible comedy clubs run out there, but uh, I digress. You came oh in trying to sell uh, newspaper ads, I believe to the club. Right. And, and I think that was the first time I met you. Yeah, man. Okay. That I'm glad you mentioned that because I've been, you know, even just before coming on, I'm like, how, how did I meet? How did Jeff and I meet? And we've had, we've had our, our Williams coffee house meetings, you and I, and, you know, like we've always tried to kind of find a way to, to work together. And I've always wanted, I have such high respect for you and Lars and the things that you guys do is as content creators. And it's just like, I'm like, I've always been like, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way how to work with these guys. And I'm sure there will be, but yeah, I was trying to figure that out. And yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that, so I worked for uh, Metro news, London. Right. Um, Which is like, is that the free paper they used to hand out? Like there was, there was like kids on the corners uh, (laughs) sort of handing them out. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I was there for, and it was downtown. I was there for like three years. I I, I got recruited by them. I just finished working for Maple Leafs, uh, division of Maple Leafs sports entertainment in Guelph, uh, where I had been commuting back and forth from London to Guelph every day. And, um, and like, it was, it was as a marketing director and it was an amazing position, amazing, amazing job, but it just kind of took its, they wanted me to move up the ranks and, I just wasn't in a position, you know, to move to Toronto at that point with a young family and that sort of thing. So I, uh, I got talking to Metro news and, um, I'm like, what, the, what is this Metro? News? Like, what is this free daily newspaper? And, but that, that was it. It was, it was a free daily newspaper. Um, right. it was kind of like, it was kind of like social media in a newspaper because it was, it was small, really small stories, like quick snippets of, 
things that were happening was positive news. Um, so there's a real lot. So I came in as key account manager and I, I, my job was kind of to take, to, to build these relationships with these, these, you know, net high worth clients that would have a big budgets to advertise and, and that sort of thing. Um, and I did really well because I had a network here in London. So right away I was able to, you know, get some, some big accounts on board and, you know, um, and, and then it just, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. It was, it was a great, it was a really, really good environment. Um, it was a good spot for me as, you know, kind of a sales manager role and, and just selling ads and creating relationships and going out to events like, like, you know, like the comedy club thing that you're talking about. And, and, um, that's all it was. It was just, it was relationship building and it was yeah. cool and it was, it was awesome. And I loved it. What was your, um, very first sales job? Did you, did you like work in a retail store or anything like that? Or did you go right into, um, like actual business sales? Yeah. So I got, um, my first corporate career or corporate sales job was with the company called Sintas Corporation. So they're fortune 500, company oh, yeah. and their, they the, their facility the services uniform guys they, yeah they, uniform they, guys yeah, yeah yeah i see their trucks yeah yeah so so um i got i, I had man I, I had like seven interviews with this place it was crazy and uh and eventually they they hired me and and the deal is the the deal is that you basically get a truck and you basically run your business out of that truck like those those like they look like ups trucks but they're but they're white and they right. say syntax on it and, and so so you have these routes and they're you drive one around you away by the way that company is one one misplaced you away from something that could <laughs> never be on a truck sorry yeah. go ahead well that and no that's that was yeah that's good that you picked that up i i yeah so um <laughs> So yeah, that was, that was the deal. Like you had this, you basically had this business on, on wheel business in a truck and, and you had these routes and you would drive around and you would go into places and, and you would bring in a clean mat and you would roll up their dirty mat and, and then you would bring their clean uniforms and take away their dirty uniforms. And it was, and then, so on top of that, there were these peripheral sales. You could sell them like, you know, toilet paper and, and, and then all these other things that they would use in their factory or their facilities. So um, it, it was, it was kind of, it was a, kind of the perfect role for me um, at that time, because the, the big thing in that company was internal growth. So taking a, uh, you know, a current, customer that might be, I don't know, 30 bucks a week or something, or switching a couple mats or a couple uniforms and then building that account up to like, you know, whatever, hundred dollars a week or $200 a week or whatever, just by, just by seeing them every week and, and creating that relationship and, and that rapport and that trust. And I did really well because I could just, you know, build that rapport and that trust pretty quickly. And they would just buy different things from me. I remember we had a, a, a promo, of these jackets, they were like uh, winter jackets. So we could sell direct. We could sell like, um, you know, like golf shirts and shit like that, like just direct. So they had these, they had these um, winter jackets, and they were in the corner. And our GM was like, "Guys, you gotta, you gotta sell this." There were like thirty of us as, as service sales representatives, and he was like, "You gotta sell these things. They're collecting dust, and that's." And I'm like, "They were, they were brutal. Like, they weren't very good." But 
I dug into kind of the background of this jacket and I realized that the, the, the sleeve and inside was made by the, the same material that scuba divers material was made from, and there were some other things to it. So I went out, I threw a jacket on the, on the truck and I would bring this jacket into all my customers say, you guys got to buy a couple of these, man. They're like great deal made with like scuba, scuba diver, like, like material the top, top stuff. And I, I sold like all of them. And our, our GM was like, called me up. He's like, how, like, I don't know how you did that, man. I was expecting, you know, five to be sold and you sold like 40 of these things. So, and, and then, but, um, but I think that's just, I've just kind of been able to find, just kind of find those, those little nuggets, you know, in, internally, you know, and that's helped with, with my career in sales and marketing and, and that sort of thing too. So. What, uh, in your opinion, what makes a great salesperson? What are you looking, if you're, if you're the one doing the hiring and you're looking to hire a new salesperson, what, what is it that you're looking for? That's, that's hard to, that's hard to say because does it depend on what you're selling? Yeah. I, you know what, to, to a point, but I think that at the end of the day, it's, it's about someone that can, that can build a relationship, you know, and, and trust and rapport really quickly because no matter what you're selling, I mean, people buy from people they like, um, you know, so no matter what you're selling, you, you know, you're selling a pet rock for God's sakes, you know, like, I mean, you, as long as you can build that rapport and that trust and, and have that, you know, um, have a bit of patience, then I think that that's where that that's, those are the type of people that, that I would be looking for. I mean, you see so much now that it's like, you know, you, you know, you probably see, it. you get, you get someone, a LinkedIn friend or someone friends you on LinkedIn and right away they're trying to sell you, you know, something. And it's, it, it's, it just, it doesn't work. You got to take the time and spend the time to, to build that rapport with people. What's the most difficult thing you've ever uh, had to sell or, or I guess the, the most difficult sales job you've had. Um, the most difficult sales job I, I would I would think is what I'm doing right now as, as an entrepreneur. Um, because I've, I've, you know, I've always kind of been that career guy, corporate career. Um, and, and I left that world six years ago when I started my, uh, my marketing business. And, and, um, I think now it's, it's more challenging now than ever, because, you know, I'm not just selling a newspaper ad. Um, I'm not just, selling a specific service. There's, there's all kinds of things that I need to, I need to sell, you know, the, the things we're selling. I need to sell my, you know, what my comp, what my company brings. Um, and, and then on top of that, there's operations and there's all these other things that, that they just, it sucks as, it, I mean, there's, there's no candy, there's no way to candy coat it. I mean, entrepreneurship is just, it's a grind, man. And, and it's, it's not, it's not fun a lot of days, you know, it, uh, my, I, my parents think I can just go out and golf every day because I own my own business. Right. And, uh, it's just not, it's not, not how it is. So, but I, I'm not complaining. I mean, this is what I've chosen and, 
and I believe in it and, and I do love it. But um, I think now more than ever is, is what is the most difficult time in sales for me. And I feel like I'm just getting started. What you know? made you decide to, to step out of that corporate world and work for yourself? I think that's a good question. I think that I've always been this, uh, they call it, I guess there's a term for it, an entrepreneur. You know, there's, you know, these people in, in organizations that um, they are entrepreneurs and, and they think they think with an entrepreneurship mind, but they're limited because of the systems and the process and that sort of thing that, that corporations put in and, and that sort of thing. And um, I had a great corporate career, but I think it was just inevitable that, you know, um, my, my, my last job that I left before, you know, going out on my own, I had like basically nine people to report to. And, and I, I, I wanted to get things done with speed and, and efficiency. And, and then, you know, you just can't with, with that many people, um, and, and, and just that, you know, all those processes and systems, and, and I know they exist for a reason, but, um, I think at, at that point I was like, well, I, I, I got to do this now, um, and, and get out and, and just expand and, and see how it goes. And it was, I was scared. It, it's scary, scared shitless when I did it. Um, but I was able to, to, to get people that trusted me, some companies that trusted me really quickly, uh, with their marketing and we did a really good job and just expanded from there. So in the beginning, I remember you telling me about, it was, it was like a marketing audit, I think was, was how you, uh, put it. Yeah. Uh, and um, what was, what was that? Like, what was the, uh, the process of that? Um, so basically a, a marketing audit is that, um, did my, sorry, did my camera stop? This is doing, oh, there we this go. doing wonders for my marketing company. There he is. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope All you're right, not good. selling those cameras. <laughs> I, hope, <laughs> I hope one of your sales jobs is yeah, not to be selling I, those. They need some. It won't be anymore. That's for sure. sure. Here's some marketing. Here's a free tip <laughs> for whoever runs your camera marketing wise. Make sure it fucking works when you need it. <laughs> unbelievable no shit what kind of camera are you yeah, using no so way. everybody knows what not to buy i i don't think i should say that <laughs> canon it's a canon i know i got oh, a bunch wow, of these you... things kicking around oh, it's a canon it's a it's it's probably it, yeah maybe yeah. i just don't turn i don't look right anymore because that's where i oh fuck, there it goes oh. froze again and now we're back to the utility. Oh boy. There we go. I'm back. <laughs> He's back. There we go. Aren't uh, you have? <laughs> all right. Hey, what's up, what everybody? Welcome back. What were back. we talking about? Okay, you were saying, uh, yeah, what were you saying there? You were talking Dan, what was he saying? Dan? Dan's Dan has Dan's fallen asleep. Every, everything's gone to hell here. Dan. This has gone off the rails. I'm so so exciting the things that i'm talking about i'm uh, just falling asleep what were you, oh the audit i was asking you about in the early going when yeah, you yeah. first made the jump into uh running your own marketing company you were doing something uh with a, a, a marketing audit right yeah it's a 360 audit that we developed that um um 
it, it, like it's not really unique to the industry, but it's unique to the um, to how we sell and how we onboard and how we prospect, you know, clients. So um, it's uh, it, it it really just it really just explores, you know, all the strengths and weaknesses that a company may be experiencing right now. So we do a full audit on like their SE on, on their website, SEO, maybe their branding, um, their social media, like like just the full gamut of, of audit of their digital um, their digital marketing and their overall, I mean, it could be traditional marketing as well. And what that does is, you know, it, it kind of allows both sides, the, the client or the prospect and us to discover together what might need to happen and what they may need. Because what, what I, what I've not wanted to happen is that we just go in guns blazing and just start selling everything under the sun you know, because you're just, you're going to get nowhere. It's just, that's, that's going to go nowhere. So I, I thought, you know, let's, let's do a discovery, um, this discovery audit together. And we may find that you don't really need much from us to be quite honest. And, and I'm okay with that because if, if we were to sell things that they didn't need, that's just going to go, go wrong eventually anyways. So right. um, we can kind of understand quickly with, the prospect and with the client, you know, what they may need, what we can work on, what might be a priority. Um, and, and I'm okay with it too, if they just take it and they need time with it, or they have someone internally that can, that can, you know, do the work for them. And that's just the risk that I'm willing to take. And I'm okay with that. So that's, that's where that, and that's been, that's been going really well, actually. I'm trying, we're trying to get it to a point where, you know, it is a proprietary, um, tool that we use that's very unique to us. Again, there are, you, you can have audits done that are out there, but I think that we bring a certain uniqueness of this particular audit to the industry. Has there ever been a time where you audited a company and had to come back and just be like, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I can't help you and nobody can. There, uh, yeah, the, yeah, there have yeah, there, there's the, uh, there's a funeral home actually that uh, they, they, we do some work for, but man, I struggled. We struggled to find ways that that we could help them in, in the, the funeral service because it was just such a unique and 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 different type of industry um, that we we struggled to find a way where it we could really help them creatively um so you know we've guided them a little bit but i think that it, that was a, that was a situation where i was really just trying to talk them out of it to be honest with you um because i just i, I didn't i didn't really see how um how we could help but they really really wanted to work with us so so we've we've found a way um, to help them. And I actually, they're, they're, a, they're a fantastic client. Um, and you know, we have, we have found a way, but it, it, yeah, that was, that was an interesting, that was an interesting one from, from the beginning. That's, that's for sure. That's the true sign of a sales master where you're, you're trying to talk them out of the sale and they're like, no, but please let me give you money. And you're like, no, 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 I, I, I can't, yeah. can't take it. Yeah. I can't accept this. No, please, please take our money. All right. If you insist, 
I guess <laughs> yeah. you can, you can yeah. pay me. That's what a brilliant sales strategy. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there, it is a strategy. The reverse sell is a strategy. It really is. And I mean, there are people that are, um, they're, they're just, they're masters at that, at the reverse sell. And, yeah. um, that, you know, if, if you can, if you can master some of these, some of these things, the other thing is, you know, taking a client or a prospect to know quicker than yes, because, you know, if, so, you know, sometimes what happens is that if you're a nice guy, it's hard for people to say no to you and you're, you're going to, you're going to do all this work for them, you, you know, and with discovery and, and trying to find ways that you can sell them your services. But, um, but they just, you know, at, at, at some point, um, you know, it, it, uh, it just may not, you know, it, it, it wouldn't work out anyways. So if that makes sense at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've yeah. lost your uh, camera once again here, unfortunately. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This is really not a commercial for Canon for sure. Be the direct I'm opposite. I'm if we, were doing, if we were doing an audit for them. We'd say, "Fix your fucking webcam." <laughs> this episode of Lease and Learned is sponsored by the Big Fish Steak and Lounge in Sarnia, Ontario. One of my personal favorite restaurants in in the world i was gonna say in the country but no in the world they have some of the greatest food i have ever had every single time i eat there i think to myself it will never get better than what i have just eaten and the next time i go back they top it once again it's that good if you live in the sarnia area make sure you book your reservation for lunch or dinner or hell book your reservation for both right now do it tonight what are you gonna cook for dinner tonight probably something awful don't do that head on over to the big fish steak and lounge if you don't live in sarnia i suggest you make a trip down just for the food or if you're going to be in the area stop in and have one of the greatest meals you will ever have you had mentioned the reverse cell right I was thinking about, have you ever seen the book, the game or like the, anything to do with like pickup artists? No. You're talking about. So there's no. a, a, an old book from years ago called the game. And it was basically this guy was a, was a pickup artist and he interviewed a bunch of other pickup artists and hung out in this community and sort of went through all of these different, like, I think one might even be called the reverse cell and one's like a push pull and one you insult the girl and, you know, and huh. supposed to, anyway. And I was wondering if you'd ever heard of that or seen that, how closely related uh, some of the things a pickup artist will tell you to do and uh, some sales strategies, how closely related those are. Like, like pickup artists as in like, like a guy picking up a girl. Yeah. There, yeah. I don't know what's going on now because it we're it's a different time. But like, yeah, t t ten years ago, easily, there was this boom of pickup artists. Like there was people that their whole job was to teach men um, how to talk to women and and basically really? how to pick them up. Yeah, yeah. You you don't never heard any of this? Uh, no, I haven't heard. This what's is fascinating, man. The, the 
the I've never heard mystery. of this. Yeah, mystery. There's a guy called Mystery. Um, they all ha- they all had like, well, I guess some of them went by their real names, but they all had like a like a nickname of some kind, and that yeah, it was a whole thing, man. And it was this huge boom Holy. for a while. I used to host a TV show in Toronto, and we did a whole episode um, on the the uh, pickup artist industry, which was when the book the game came out it it kind of opened this whole door for for guys and a lot of people were scammers like just like any other industry there was people that came along and charged money and they didn't know what the fuck to do but there were guys that were legit making huge money and like taking nerds and just you know embarrassed guys or guys that were just like too shy to talk to women had no idea what to do and then taught them these um ways of getting girls to like you and uh you know it, it, it just reminded me of it when you said reverse sell because one of the things i remember from that book was go up insult the girl act like you don't like her act like you know you you be a piece of shit and then you you know you go home with her at the end of the night <laughs> so i i think i knowing that That's you don't know any man. of this i guess this yeah. this question doesn't yeah. apply but i think yeah. there's a lot of and and especially because like over my years in stand up, I've had to take jobs and I've had a bunch of sales jobs. And there's a lot of similarities between the pickup artist sort of industry and the sales game, especially right. if you're being taught sales by someone like because there's different types of sales. Right. Like I remember I had a I worked for a water company. That was essentially a scam. You would go into people's houses, you would dip some shit in their water and be like, see what's happening here. This, your water's <laughs> you no good. That. You should buy my water. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, you know, it's got less fucking <laughs> shit particles in it or whatever our story was. And I just, and I remember thinking at the time, like I just, I sold a bunch and I was like, I don't know if, I don't know if I feel right about this because <laughs> I feel like we're just, we're just, you know fooling these people into yeah. buying other water yeah that's that's great but like um i mean you're a great salesman like you have to sell like you're constantly selling you've been you've been selling you know your you know your show and and like you're like you've been hustling and and grinding and i mean you know say you must have been you must have had some really good sales gigs i would think yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> I have never been good at them because yeah. I didn't care. I can only sell if I care. If I care about something, right? Like yeah. comedy I've I've been doing since I was 14. It's it's all I've ever really wanted to do. And right. so to book a show or sell a show or sell a tour, sell a package, that stuff I would just go until I sold it. You know, it was yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to put in as many hours today as it takes to sell as many shows as I want to sell back when shows were a thing you could do. Uh, yeah. but, but, uh, but that, but I, but it, it worked cause I cared about it, but any other yeah. job I've had where I w- would have to sell inevitably, I would either get fired or quit because I didn't <laughs> give a shit about what I was selling. Right. But did, did you find that, that humor helped? in sales like humor must yeah. help you know like you, you you sell the water and oh shit your water's brown and you make a joke about it or something i mean like yeah. like that like like comedy 
you know, that's a, that's a real skill. And, you know, I think like, that's what, like, I'm not funny at all. And, and I'll, you know, I like, it's like, I'll watch comedy shows and that sort of thing. But um, that's why I have, you know, such high respect for, for guys like you and, and Lars and other guys in the people in the industry, because it's just like, you're just constantly like your mind's just constantly going with, with creating content and, mm-hmm. and, um, but, it, but I mean, it's, it's got to help with, with the bonding and the rapport and all that for, for the sales thing, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think sales, uh, training, like in some of the jobs I've had, they, you have to go through like two weeks of, uh, of training for whatever it is they want you to sell. And I think that part of that was the connection, uh, like connecting with somebody and building rapport with somebody. And that really yeah. helped me with audiences because it yeah. was like, if I, if I can uh, build a rapport with one person, just face to face, how can yeah. I do that with a room full of a hundred people or 500 people or a thousand people? Um, right. So that really, that really helped from the opposite angle. And then I'm sure from coming from standup into sales, I'm sure the limited amount I did sell when I was able to, uh, you know, con people into <laughs> going with different water, um, yeah. <laughs> then, you know, then, then I'm sure that aspect of it, uh, you know, coming from standup helped in the sales yeah. side uh, as well. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I, you- I have found a lot of similarities in the, uh, in the s- sales and, and especially in comedy, cause I've done my own bookings. It's, it's been, uh, you know, yeah. very helpful. Do you find that being a comedian, people are always expecting you to be funny? Like, I would think that would be exhausting, man. Like people just, Oh, what's he going to say next? It, like yeah. even just in regular conversation. Yeah. And what's worse is when they're disappointed that you're not like, <laughs> Hey, this guy all the time, yeah. you know, yeah. cause I'm not like, I'm a pretty chill person when I'm not on stage or not performing. I'm not, yeah. I was not the class clown. I was not no. the person constantly acting out in school. I wasn't like, I was um, respected and known, but not like popular. You know what I mean? Everybody yeah. knew me. I was cool with all groups and all, I hung out with the popular kids. I hung out with the people that played like Pokemon and shit at, at lunch uh, equally. Right. And I have strong relationships with all of them, but I wasn't the Mr. Entertainment. It was just something I knew how to do and, and could turn on and turn off. And then the performance side, I really enjoyed. So yeah, there's more so than people thinking like, or asking, tell me a joke or whatever. I, I remember, uh, I remember when I was really young, like 20, I think 20 or 21, one of my first weekend shows at a comedy club in the States, it was in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. And back then I was the opening act, right? So there's a headliner and, and I opened up for the headliner. And after the show, these two girls, it was very rare in comedy. Do you get people like girls, especially approaching you after it's not like music or being a rock star or being a famous comedian. It's, it's way different. Right. So yeah. it was very rare. So these two girls come up and they're like, Hey, we thought you were really funny. And we were kind of hanging out with the headliner and me and he took off. So it was just me with these two girls and I'm <laughs> 21 years old. And I'm like, 
Holy shit. Oh shit. I have an, I think I might have an opportunity here to do something I never thought would be possible all from comedy. It was like the greatest night ever. So did you do a reverse sell at that point? I didn't even know what you weren't interested was, man. I was so, I was so bumbly and such an idiot and I had no business even (laughs) being in that scenario. But I had such a great set. That was the thing. I just, I happened to crush that night and I was not great then. I was barely even passable as a comedian, but I just happened to have a really good night and it, it, you know, I I looked good in front of the the audience. So they end up coming back to the condo that we were staying at. And I'm like, here we go. This is it. So we get back there. We're there for like an hour. And then I realized like, Oh, they, they seem like they're about to go like to leave. And the girl, the one girl goes, uh, so we're going to head out. And I'm like, oh, really? And they're like, yeah. And then right before they leave, she goes, you know, you weren't nearly as fun and as funny as we thought you would be. No shit. And it was just like, oh, just dagger to the heart. Like went from I'm thinking this, this fucking like. Pornhub scenario is about to happen. Uh, this young comedian, yeah. you know, uh, not yeah. knowing if I'm doing the right thing with my life. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. And then just just a dagger to the fucking heart with. Uh, oh, yeah. Man. So that well, that can, that has that can be tough or, you know, people expecting you to be Mr. Like, all right. Yeah. The, the comedians here, you know, you know, the other yeah. thing that happens a lot is uh, people think they have to be funny they have to be on around you around me yeah yeah i feel like that around you like yeah like i, I kind of get like that around you because um i'm not funny and and then i i and then like i and i'm, I'm also i'm also fairly slow at like i'm not like quick witted you know so it takes me a while to to absorb things and understand so like sometimes i'll, I'll go quiet and and I, people might mistake that for like, you know, he's, he's not getting it or, but I'm just absorbing, you know, what the conversation is about and that sort of thing. So that's where with comedy, I'll miss a lot of, of things because it, it'll take me, you know, a minute to, to get it or whatever. I do want to hmm. ask though, uh, just getting back to the marketing stuff. Yeah. How important is a good logo for a company? Um, I think it's, I think it's everything. I think it's, you know, I think you, I think you start there. Um, because, uh, uh you know, a brand and a logo is, uh, I mean, that's your, that's, that, that's the, the, your foot you put forward. And, um, and what I find a lot is that people will take a shortcut on their logo, maybe years ago, you know, maybe they want, they started their business years ago and they're like, Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, do a quick little logo here, do it in word or whatever. And then, and then the business evolves and, and it expands. And um, then the problem is that you get into issues where you, you need your logo to be, to, to show, well on so many different platforms so you could have a point where you know maybe your your business or your company expands and you need a logo on a truck or or whatever and and if you don't have it properly vectorized and if you don't have a you know a really engaging logo um or brand you're you're just going to work backwards so i think that 
It's a good question. I'm glad you asked that actually, because I, it, I think that's really something that gets overlooked quite a bit is, is the branding and people just think, Oh, you know, I'll just, my cousin can do a logo for me for, you know, 20 bucks or whatever. And, but they're not thinking the entire, the entire scope of, you know, years down the road or how this logo is going to look like in black and white or, you know, all these different variations. And, and I think that, you know, logos can be cheap and, and you can do it, um, you know, inexpensively, but I think that investing in your brand, your logo up front is, I mean, it's everything. It's so important. And I think a lot of marketers will, will tell you that. The uh, webcam's still out there. Do you want to try to do what you did before? Yeah. There we go. There he is. There we go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, baby. We're yeah. back. And we got the, we got a wider view now. We can see the picture in the wall. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Look at that. And also your, uh, your shirt is admitting you're a bad dad, which is an odd, uh, that's an odd reveal. Near the end of this interview, we've revealed that you think of yourself as a bad dad. We should have started the interview with this. Yeah. Does that mean Shit. like bad, like bad or bad, like good, bad? So it means like badass dad. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so okay. it's a company that um, uh, we've kind of um, talked to out of Calgary and they do these uh dad boxes where they kind of send out um gift packages and things like that for dads it's got like alcohol in it and shirts and stuff like that so yeah bad dad there the classic it is, dad package alcohol and shirts <laughs> yeah yeah how has marketing for companies changed right now during these times in covid i think that the the buyers are more intentional um, they're not spending less, but they're more intentional and, and they're becoming more educated in, in their purchases. So um, it, what it would ha what's happening is that, you know, a lot of businesses have to think creatively and, and they have to use the tools that are available um, and, and not shy away from it or be intimidated by all these digital tools. Like, I mean, you know, create, Facebook shopping experiences for people. Um, you know, make sure that you're giving a lot in terms of, you know, an actual loyalty program, engaging them with, with really good content that they can use, not just getting an, uh, an, an email every day saying 50% off, 50% off, like creating good content where people really can use it and, and, and it's, you know, good content that they can, you know, and, and then obviously create that that's creating that, like we talked about that rapport and that, that bond and that trust through, through digital marketing that way. So. What advice would you give um, to a company uh, right now that's looking to do more with their marketing or especially a company, if they've, if they're uh, just starting up right now, what advice would you give them marketing wise, especially during um, this time? Yeah. Like if, if the company's just start, like just starting right now, yeah. eh? Well, <clears throat> I mean, they, they've got to have a good, they, they've got to have a good digital experience. They've got to be able to uh, be, be found, um, you know, digitally, and they've got to have their, their SEO, their search engine optimization, uh, you know, like, 
like figured out they, they have to make sure that they're targeting people that they think are going to, you know, be their customers, giving product away for people to try. Another big thing that I, I think is really underutilized is influencer marketing. So, you know, if I were a new business starting up right now, if I was like a, a running shoe business or something, I would go to every, uh, you know, ex NHL player in London, you know, CrossFit people, runners, whatever. And I would either give them a discount or gift them a pair of shoes in return for them talking about my business, because you just, you, you need that instant, audience and, and that exposure and these influencers are going to do that. And sometimes it'll, it might cost you. I mean, there, there are costs that go with influencers, but I mean, more often than not, you, you give, you know, a guy with, I don't know, uh, you know, 200,000 followers on Facebook or Instagram, a, a pair of shoes. And he talks about your business for a week or a couple of weeks, then that's a great ROI that you're going to have or a bakery or anything. I mean, be prepared to give product away, but do it intentionally and, and do it, you know, smartly where you're giving it to people that you're, you're really going to get that exposure in return. What's the biggest mistake um, you see companies make from a marketing perspective right now? Um, I think that, I mean, there are, mis- there are mistakes that, that companies make, I think that, I think a big mistake is that um, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not posting or, or they're not creating um, content as frequently enough as they should. And it's easy for me to say that because, you know, I'm not that business owner who is, you know, in their business and, and working in their business and that sort of thing. But you have, you have to be, you have to be on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on LinkedIn, you have to be in these, in these spaces and you have to understand it and you, and you have to intimately understand and, and know, you know, how these are going to help your business and, and how it'll help your, your business grow. And, and I think that also another thing is that people just don't do video enough. And, you know, we've got these, we've got these phones that everyone's got a phone with a good camera or, or, or whatever right now. And, you know, some with, people with buy cannons, with the, which is a huge mistake. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll keep the <laughs> conversation. Yeah. So not, not camera or not Canon. Does Canon even make uh, phones? No, I don't think so. They barely make cameras as it turns out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you fix that. So you're saying so, more um, video though. You you think uh the the best way to go right now is more more video content for companies? Yeah, I think more video content. You're going to see that a lot more too. Uh you can get a ring light, you can get a little tripod. Um but what what I think people need to do is and business owners is break down the content in bite-sized um, pieces of content. So what I mean is, you know, don't create a 10 minute long video, create 10 different one minute videos on different topics of how to do this or how to, you know, and, and then what you can do is you can remarket that content in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, keep it clear and concise and, uh, and anyone can do it. I mean, I know I don't love being in front of the camera, you know, everyone, a lot of people are camera shy, and that sort of thing, but just practice, 
practice in front of the camera, do your, do a few clips here and there and, uh, you'll get good at it. Um, you know, and, and there's different apps. There's, there's an app that'll actually do, um, a teleprompter on your screen and you can read it as it, as it films you and you know, the tools are out there, right? You just have to, you got to find them. So, well, Ryan, I really appreciate this, man. Thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time and being on the show. And, uh, I, I really yeah. had a great time, man. Me too, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, you're doing a kick-ass job with this. I, I'm excited to, you know, be a fan of this show and, and, you know, listen and watch and I'll cheer you on and I, I just keep her going, man. You're, you're, you're doing a good job. You're doing a really good job. You're a great interviewer and, I think it's, it's going to go, go really well. Thank you, man. I, I really yeah. appreciate that a lot. Um, if, yeah. uh, if there are companies that are looking to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Um, they can, we're pretty under the radar to be quite honest with you. We're not, you know, out there actively trying to find a ton of new business. Um, but I mean, if people need help, if, you know, if, if, even if they have questions about, anything um you can find us at bellablemarketing.com uh i'm on facebook we're on facebook myself for our business that sort of thing and um pretty easy to find on linkedin too nice the classic bellavo no sell reverse sell there it is we're we're under the radar we we don't really need anyone we don't really look we don't need your business don't ask we we can't just like the funeral home we can't be bothered there's nothing we can do but if you want to give us your money and you want us to help you we might we might take your money i guess we can the the classic there the classic reverse sell. I think we've all learned something from this. Every one of us should get out there and reverse sell the shit out of something. Uh, so yeah, baby. We've, we've all been taught a great lesson here. Ryan Beliveau, Beliveau Marketing. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. 